Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome Vice President at Sakti Agro, Sam Tosted. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street, where we give voice to the everyday person. This is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me, as always, Jeremy and Cole. Gents, how are we? Nick, we're doing great. We just had Sam on the podcast. Sam is a, I would describe him as a wearer of many hats, but deep down, he's just a really good guy to get to know and, and learn from. I, I had a lot of fun interviewing Sam. Sam, most of our conversation talks about the, his, his, um, his ventures in the coconut industry which I think our listeners will find extremely interesting. But I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. And I had like, what a great interview. Our good friend, Sam, uh, obviously we're very, very thankful he came on, but he finds himself in such a unique position as a young professional, someone who he even, he he self-admits, and I think the three of us can self-admit that uh, we have no idea if what we're doing now is what is what we're going to make a career of, we have no idea what we want to do when we grow up, uh, quote unquote. But the coolest thing about Sam, and this is something I admire so much, and uh, Jeremy and Nick, I told you guys this before we recorded this, I need to be much, much better at this. I'm so thankful that we had Sam on to remind not just me, but everybody who listens to this, to take a step back and, and, and find the story behind what you're doing or what you enjoy because it gives value that cannot be bought monetarily and it gives value that can't be found in the same way that you would gain followers or gain a following or sell your brand. Finding the story, and that's something that Sam is so good at, and, I, and he's, he, he has built a business on it. He has built some hobbies, some fun hobbies that you that our residents will hear about on that. I think it's so, so cool. Um, it's so eye-opening. And I was so jacked up to get him on. I was so jacked up to hear about the coconut industry, something that not a lot of people know about, including myself. Uh, we cannot thank him enough. Sam, if you're listening to this or if, if, if people who know Sam are listening to this, Thank you so much, dude, um, because you have done such good. You're doing such good. And uh, I think the, I speak for all of us. This is the one time I'll do that when we say we can't wait to follow your journey. You can't fake certain things. And especially on that note, you can't fake giving off just a purely genuine vibe. And that's really what Sam brought as we got to know him, but most importantly, uh, just how he approaches life. Uh, I mean, the fact that we got into the coconut industry, that was such a fun breath of fresh air. And uh, on State Street, that's a first. So uh, if that's not enough for you guys to tune in, uh, the second way or second thing that really stood out to me about Sam is he is such a man of depth. He never really takes things at face value. He absorbs life experiences and, and kind of rolls with the punches as good as anyone we've ever talked to. Um, so just top to bottom, really fun, really deep conversation at times, but nonetheless, uh, definitely worth tuning in for. So for all, I suppose for all my fans of Coconuts uh, on State Street, um, you guys need to tune in um, because here we go.
Ladies and gentlemen, we have yet another resident joining us here on State Street. Welcome, Sam. Sam is, I've got to know Sam over the course of two years now, and Sam's a fun guy. I think you'll, you'll really come to enjoy this episode. Not only that, but because, you know, Sam, Sam has some really, really cool connections. And, and guys, I can't wait for you guys to get to know him. Sam, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, my name is Sam Tosted. I grew up in Minnesota, bounced all around the place in Minnesota, lived out in California for a little bit. Um, background is in accounting and marketing, studied at Bethel University. Uh, and if you want a nice little cool fact, <laughs> trying to do 50 countries by 50, currently at 20. So oh, I need to catch up a little bit, 25. So got five more to really catch up on, probably a few more, because it's going to take a little bit for COVID to blow over. Yeah, I mean, can't really do much about that now. But so let's get into it right away. Um, Bethel, and then right after Bethel, you're at Strategic Capital, and you find yourself working there and with some coconuts. Can you kind of explain kind of how this all, because we're all super excited to figure out how it happened. So how did this happen on your side to where you're now working in Sri Lanka, Minneapolis, Minnetonka, basically everywhere around the world? Yeah. So. To start off, uh, let me give you a little background about the the two main characters in this company for Sac Diego specifically. JT, who's my father, and Jonan. JT has been into investing and, and owned plenty of companies in his lifetime. Some would call him a serial entrepreneur, been very successful, and he's great at what he does. Jonan has also been the same. Uh, he's actually from Sri Lanka, northern Sri Lanka, and he fled during the wartime, which I'll get probably into a little bit later, um, and started a company in New York and met my father through, I honestly don't know how, but started up companies in India with him, uh, did some work in Sri Lanka after, after the tsunami, and um, came back to him with this opportunity in Sri Lanka that is now in operation. I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's been, we talked off air, it's, it's, you're coming up like 20 years, right? For, for Sakti? For strategic. Oh, for, for strategic. strategic. And then how long has Sakti been going on then? So Sakti has been in the startup. Well, I, I should say it really started around 2016 with the idea and moved to uh, planning, investing, and action throughout 2016 to 2018. And 2019 was our first year of operation. And I only got involved with Sakti in 2019. It was actually right when I graduated. And then, yeah, so right out of college, you're you're hitting up Saki and you you're going into into coconuts not something everyone goes into right away out of college so what is that like just getting into a business that you know not many people go into or just kind of just working with something outside of the US in general well that's a that's a great question i had no uh no idea what i was getting into and I had no thought process of actually joining this company until I had graduated. And my father actually said, hey, 
I know you graduated. I know you're looking at jobs. And uh, at the time, I actually had a few offers for places I could join uh, for my first job out of college. I was really excited. But I was like, okay, I'll push it off a little bit. Go check out Sri Lanka because I'd always heard about it growing up and wanted to go and visit. So little did I know the adventure I was in for. Went for a month and went from southern Sri Lanka, which is the main city. And we actually drove up, stayed in little pockets of the country and got to see the culture, meet all the people. And then at the very end, see the operation and what they were doing in northern Sri Lanka to help um, rebuild the coconut industry. And from there on, John and uh, our business partner actually wanted me to get involved. I was very hesitant. My dad was very hesitant. Uh, for obvious reasons, you don't just hop into uh, business with your family because it is not easy. And uh, it, it can be very, very hard on your personal relationship with them as much as you want it to not be. Uh, but went for it, took, took the jump and haven't really looked back. It's been a roller coaster of emotion and experience, but it's been great. Sam and Jeremy as well, I think it'd be important just before we move forward to give people who are listening to this some context. So Sakti and Strategic Capital, are these two separate companies? Are they tied at the hip? Does one fall under the umbrella of another? How are are these two related? Because it sounds like um, maybe this was something that was presented to you by your dad, by maybe your dad's business partner. Kind of give people who are listening to this an idea of not necessarily a hierarchy, but a structure to how these work, if they work together at all or not. To answer that question, I'm going to go the long route and you're, <laughs> you're going to probably find it pretty interesting because uh, it, it's not that straightforward of an answer. Okay. Uh, so JT and John and had obviously they'd known each other for years they've been in business and they've been in operations in Sri Lanka to better the community the people and and, and bring new opportunities so at the time that John and had actually got his family land back so maybe I should back up a little bit Sri Lanka about 30 years ago well, okay. probably close to 35 40 years ago now had been in a civil war. Mm -hmm. And that civil war was between the southern faction uh, of Sri Lanka, uh, singly, versus the northern uh, population, which is uh, background in Tamil. Uh, two different religions, two different uh, languages. And as we've seen in history, sometimes it doesn't necessarily work out. Um, some conflicts happened and civil war broke out. The Tamil, unfortunately, were a very small portion of the population. And because of that, they actually had, uh, over the years, it was about 30 years of civil war, were pushed out of Sri Lanka or were completely decimated. It, it was a very brutal and bloody war. So, uh, not something that I, take lightly about talking about right uh, because it does hit it doesn't hit 
super close to home for me because I wasn't there and I didn't experience it, but I've been around uh, the northern Sri Lanka community and I considered all of them family, especially Jonan. Um, at that time, Jonan, at the time of the Civil War, Jonan was just about to go into college and he actually left through Norway. Mm -hmm. And um, fast forward up until early 2000s, Civil War ends. The northern area of Sri Lanka, all of the manufacturing plants, uh, the whole ecosystem had been completely wiped out. Okay. John and got his land back. And at the time, my dad was in a cannabis fund, actually. So it was an early investing in a cannabis fund in 2016. And because of that, John came to my father and wanted to do something with his land. His father before him, John's father before him, had been a serial entrepreneur in Sri Lanka and had used this land previously for growing coconuts, breaking it down into hundreds of different uh, uses, different products. And so it just so happens that one of these byproducts is a coconut dust. It comes from the husk. So it's not the actual meat or the nut. It's the mm -hmm. protection around the coconut itself. You grind that up and you get this dust. And it's okay. really good for agriculture purposes specifically hydroponics and greenhouse applications which just so happens to be the main way to grow cannabis so cannabis hemp uh, as well as berries and whatnot mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of how the connection came between them okay and from then on uh it, it was the fund investing in sakti agro um, and it didn't actually perform to what they thought it would perform to. Uh, and so that's when in 2019, when I came on board, my father had actually personally taken out the investment group and funded the operation. And that was our first year of manufacturing. Okay. So... And you said your dad's business has been around 20 years. So at the time of that happening, how long had strategic capital been around um, and growing, obviously mm -hmm. investing, strategizing, all of this stuff before all of this kind of occurred? And, and I know you mentioned at the beginning, year 25, the, the Civil War happened 30 years ago. So this is all happening even before your literally on this earth mm -hmm. um but kind of give our give our listeners uh, a picture of that and and kind of lay out a really nice time frame just so people have a really good uh context of how this all laid itself out before we we move uh forward yeah so about 20 years ago strategic capital was started by my dad as an investment company or a holding company mm -hmm. for startups early stage companies or buying distressed companies to rebuild and sell. So it's a very high risk, high reward. Fast forward 20 years with my father's experience in over 20 companies, um, obviously not all wins, not all losses. Yeah. He 
was approached by John and, and that's kind of where Sakti came in. That's so, so cool. It sounds to me, and then I'll turn it right back to Jeremy so he can keep us on, on the path we're on. Um, between those two, John and, and, and your father, there's a ton of entrepreneurial spirit, which is so, so cool. There's a lot of uh, obviously strategizing, and we're going to use that word a lot just with strategic capital being the name, um, but also entrepreneurial spirit, maybe a little competitiveness. Uh, and a lot of outside the box thinking. I mean, I think it's so cool that we get to bring someone on who is in the market of coconuts. And for people listening to that, like, who else do you know? Where else? What other podcasts can you listen to, frankly, that you can hear stuff about coconuts? Um, so I think that's so cool. But I did want to lay out kind of a nice time frame uh, for everybody so they could follow along. Jeremy, keep us moving, though. Yeah. So let's go back to when you first stepped foot in uh, Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. what are the emotions what are your feelings like what's going through your mind when you're going to visit um a coconut is it a coconut farm or a coconut mm-hmm. business i guess so my first emotions were i was just in absolute shock and awe with sri lanka i had no idea that it was as beautiful as it was <laughs> I, before Sri Lanka, I had traveled uh, quite a bit uh, with my family. We always highly had held traveling uh, as, as a very high value in our family. So instead of getting gifts or something, we would go on trips. And uh, going to Sri Lanka was just absolutely mind-blowing with how biodiverse it was. It was one of the most unique places that I've ever been in this world. And the people could not have been more genuine. And uh, it, it just really struck a nerve with me. Absolutely. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's a jump. You're, you're heading to a, a brand new country, to a, to a company you may work for. And that's, I mean, I've never experienced that. I don't know. Cole's moved across the country to work for a new country. Nick, Nick and I are very, very close to home right now. And I just, I can't imagine that. And so when was, when was it that you knew you, you were, it was the right fit, I guess. It probably came down to the end of the trip when I sat down with both John and and my father and really discussed what, what they were doing there and why they had wanted me to come on board. They saw uh, how I held myself throughout all the meetings and at the farm and how, uh, I guess, I respected the people there and in turn earned their respect back. And I guess it was just a great fit from the beginning. I can't quite tell you. It, it, it just kind of happened. <laughs> I, I'm not someone that often wants to be in a comfortable position. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's nice, but especially coming out of college, not knowing what I want to do for my living and and then having this opportunity to not only work across the world, but make a difference. uh, It really, uh, yeah, it, it made the choice pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to just get the opportunity to go, go work across uh across the world i mean 
Cool. I think you have something though. Yeah. So Sam, I'm just curious. Has the fact that growing up, your family placed such an emphasis on traveling, seeing the world, I'm sure seeing just the country of the United States as well. Did that have maybe in, in, in your best estimate or, or uh, as far as you know or can tell, did that have a huge factor into things just kind of naturally clicking and falling into place? Or was it something else where maybe you just you felt at home, you connected with the people? What what did that that kind of adolescence and emphasis on traveling at a young age, how did that kind of prepare you into parlaying that or wanting to make that a part of kind of your career, especially early in your career, like you said, just coming out of school, not knowing or having any idea, what do I want to do like with my the rest of my life? What do I want to do just for the time being while, while I kind of see what my career path has and, and lays itself out to be? Well, traveling from a young age, especially with my family, uh, you get to know that a vacation isn't a vacation. You need to <laughs> vacation from your vacation. Uh, so we're going to explore. And that's, again, comes back to my father. He's got that mind uh, to just go see, do, try it all. Uh, and that's something I really admire about him and that I definitely want to try and do in my life. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think I can do it nearly as uh, to as to uh, an extent that he can, but I'm okay with that. Right. As as I even get a portion of that. Um. So growing up in that kind of an environment, with traveling often when I was younger, mm-hmm. definitely made it easier to go there and understand that. I'm going to be in a, a different environment. I'm not going to know anything about where I am, but I'm okay with that. And I'm going to figure it out. And it's right. going to be great. And I'm going to meet people along the way that are going to be lifelong friends. That is so cool. I think that, I mean, that's, that's the essence of like, of what we are all about on this podcast on state street. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious then, and, and I'm going to poke and prod a little bit and, and just have fun and, and try to drill this deep. But Travel aside, when the the idea or the offers on the table, like I could do this this job right out of college, were there motivating factors outside of travel? Was it something like this is such a unique opportunity with coconuts and and traveling, obviously, and um, I get to see the world and do business internationally? What were kind of some motivating factors to get into something that is so unique? I'd say it was definitely the story behind Saptier Girl. Mm-hmm. It was John and coming back to his land, wanting to make a difference. It's not just a bunch of people from the U.S. giving money to right. another country so that they can do whatever they want with it. It's about rebuilding a community, an economy, an infrastructure in a place that they really want it and they want to make a difference. It, just to be even slightly involved with that mm-hmm. gave me the the reason to just jump into it. Uh, I couldn't just not try and do something, you know. Right. Was the was the allure of doing something that that has a great story? Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll ask it in a more direct way. Was it ever? 
when, when you have an understanding of what you're taking on, there obviously is a great story behind it. It's near and dear to your heart. It's near and it's close and near and dear to uh, your father, your father's business partner, John. And is it, is, is there, is there a sense of pressure? I mean, is there any point for you that it's like, holy crap, I'm taking on a lot and I'm, I'm only 23 or I'm only 22 or, or is there a sense of that? Or for you, was it so much of a connection? Like it was like, let's get started right away and, and let's make this thing, let, let's grow it to heights that we never thought possible. <laughs> it was a little bit of both actually. <laughs> I, I was scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea what to do. I had no real business experience. I had worked odd jobs before at GNC. Uh, I worked at a gun range. I did painting. <laughs> I did landscaping. It was something new every year. Sometimes it was a couple jobs. But I had never had practical business experience. Right. And so coming into an experience like that, I knew nothing. So what I did is I just, I studied, I read a lot and I, I tried to figure out as much as I could about the industry, about Sri Lanka, about exporting. And I didn't rely always on myself. I relied on my team members. Mm -hmm. I relied on my bosses because they are the experienced ones. And if I didn't know it, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any direction. They were always there to at least provide some guidance or to put their input in. And the more that I went about it, the more I noticed that it was always about putting multiple heads together and working as a team. Everyone, all the managers in Sri Lanka with us, staying in contact and doing the best that we all could together. Mm -hmm. Is there ever, this is kind of a, a smaller and maybe, maybe quicker question to answer and I'll leave that up to you, but is there ever a language barrier or a cultural barrier or anytime you work internationally, I'm, I mean, you're dealing with amazing people and you said it right away yourself. Like it was, you, you connected with people and mm -hmm. um, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that I'm sure you could attribute that to, but are there differences? And if so, how do you, being like a young entrepreneur, someone who is, is taking on the world for the first time as a professional, how do you deal with that? And, and who do you rely on? Or maybe what are some resources that you rely on? Uh, kind of walk us through that. Well, there is definitely language barriers. Uh, there was so much of them. Tamil, uh, if you guys aren't aware, is it's either... It's one of the two, one of the oldest written languages or oldest spoken languages in the world. Okay. There's about, oh God, I think it's like 260 alphabet characters. Jeez. Oh, wow. So when I first came into it, I was like, I'm going to try and learn the language. <laughs> and I'm going to try and speak with these, uh, these team members of mine. That didn't go so well. I, I learned some of the language, uh, but I did have Jonan to rely on. He's a native speaker, and he provided a good bridge at the beginning. And then from there on, it was about setting people in place in Sri Lanka that the team here could rely on if John and JT were off doing other things. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we now have just a phenomenal team in Sri Lanka, uh, which not everyone speaks 
English or not everyone speaks English to the best of uh, it, to the ability of us even understanding it. But there's enough of a bridge that allows the goals to come through and for us to be able to meet up in the middle and come up with a plan for how to go or which direction to go in the future. Gotcha. The last question I have, and I'm so sorry, you guys have dominated this conversation a little bit, but I, I truly am fascinated by this. I, I think this is incredible. I think you get to do so, so many cool things. And so I love getting in the mind and, and seeing it through your eyes. We talked about it actually right, right, right before we came on to record this, but school, and you even kind of said it a couple questions ago, school doesn't necessarily prepare you for everything that you encounter, especially early on in, in your professional career, especially I can imagine doing business internationally. What was one thing that you did feel incredibly prepared for due to simply school, studying, being like textbook learning? And then what was one thing that you completely, other, other than the language and learning a language that is 10 times the size of ours, uh, what is something that you were completely unprepared for that you feel has been your biggest area of growth since you started? And then I'll turn it back to Jeremy. Another great question. One of the, <laughs> it's a hard one to answer too, because when it comes to the schooling and how it applies to what we've been doing over the last two years, I'd say it's been pretty minimal, almost to the extent of nothing. Accounting, that background has helped me out tremendously. Uh, but beyond that, it's been all through just a just real world experience. And <laughs> to answer your the second part of the question, the thing that I uh, now rely on most is just being able to have the mindset that we're all in this together, and that no one of us in our team is going to have the right answer right away, but we're going to all work together and, and, and put the teamwork in to make, make shit happen. Hey, State Street gang, we're going to steal you away real quick. Uh, Cole, I actually have a couple of promos to run by you. What do you got, Nick? I'm excited to hear. So the first one is our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear actually have a new website coming out, and you can find them at driftlessqualitywear.com. No way. Dude, that's awesome. So how does State Street factor into that? Yeah, great question. So for all the folks that haven't purchased anything on their website, go ahead and prior to checking out, if you enter State Street, uh, you'll actually get a 10% discount off the entire cart. Okay. What kind of things do they have? Do they have like outdoor wear since it's getting cold here? Yeah, great question. And it really is getting cold. So they have crewnecks, long sleeves. I actually got a long sleeve myself, beanies. Uh, they even go as far as camping mugs, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So tell me again how I get this and where I need to go. Yeah, so go ahead and type in State Street at checkout and receive 10% off your entire cart purchase. Cool, man. I can't wait. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. Well, and I think to that point, and I apologize for the the listeners that I've been very dormant the last or the whole interview, been battling a, a plethora of technical difficulties here, but we're we're going right for it. Um, 
I, I think that to that point, I love how you said this earlier too, um, that you just don't give up. If you just don't give up, you're going to learn it at, at some point, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sometimes when your back's against the wall, it's the best way to be because then you're going to learn no matter what. Um, I'm going to ask Jeremy to make sure that we don't go too far down a rabbit hole here because I, I kind of want to go there. But um, have you ever heard of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki? I have. Okay. Um, so I have a question for you. So with your dad being in this type of, um, we'll call it a career path, um, what was that like growing up? Because I'm, I'm curious, not a lot of, of fathers uh, or kids of, have fathers that are in that specific industry. Uh, there's a there's a lot of backstory that goes into my life growing up, um, but it was never easy. Dad was always gone, and um, but when he was around, he was a great dad. He struggled with some things that were out of his control, and um, just because of that, I didn't have a great relationship with my father growing up. I only had really just started to get to know my father and uh, and really build a relationship with him in college uh, is when he actually he started to become sober and it's been great since but growing up a, a life like that does not come without tolls and he is a great example of that because he is just an amazing person, but he also has his demons. Gotcha. Gotcha. I suppose as does, as everyone. And uh, I do mm-hmm. want to say too, you know, we can be mindful of, of the sensitivities there, but I do appreciate you sharing it. I just, I thought it was, was an opportunity to, um, th- there's just, it's not a normal path and it, and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of guts to actually have to go down that road. And um, I guess I didn't even think about, uh, for maybe from your perspective, uh, what that was like at, at home. But, um, so as growing up, when you were able to get those interactions with him, I mean, was he very much so like no work and very present with you? Um, or was he more so, um, just talk, like helping you become an entrepreneur, I guess. Um, when when he was around, he was a great father in the way that he was a ton of fun. He always knew how to have a great time. Uh, we when we lived in California, and we would spend we would probably spend our summers in California, and then we'd come back for the school year with our mom. And almost every day we were doing something fun, or we were having big house parties, or we were going dirt biking or going to the beach and surfing uh you know it, it was always a great time riding dirt bikes through the house oh my gosh <laughs> it was pretty nuts uh so it was it was a good time growing up but it uh yeah it, it's a hard hard question to answer really sure yeah and i uh, i just wanted to more so be mindful of the situation um i just i feel as if you you get to a certain age and you see what your parents do for a living and then you meet some people outside of that upbringing that uh challenge what you've been exposed to and so you're having to think for yourself and um I just have uh, really tried to soak in your experiences thus far because I think it's extremely unique 
that you've had uh, your dad as a role model in your life up until this point, uh, for better or for worse. Um, because a lot of people like immediately want to just get a marketing job or just get a job, but like just being around him and seeing, uh, or hearing his experiences very different or could shift your mindset, so to speak, as far as like what you're going to do post-college. Definitely. And, and it, it's always brought my mindset back to understanding and something that he also says, which I totally agree with is it's okay to have a job. It's okay not to have your own business because you're going to have a lot of great opportunities without having your own business. You might not be overly rich, but you'll be, you can still be successful. You can be really successful, but it's just not for everyone. And I'm still trying to figure out if it's even for me. Right. I don't know if I have that true entrepreneurial spirit, but I, I really do enjoy it. <laughs> I can tell you that much, but it has not come out, uh, not come without its, uh, its hardships for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Go ahead. Sorry. Sam, I was just really curious and, and then we can turn it back to Jeremy and, and like Nick said, he can keep us kind of on the, the path that, that we're going down, but growing up then, as we kind of talk about your childhood, like what was when, when you're as a kid, you know, it's like, I want to be an astronaut or as a kid, it's like, I want to, maybe you want to be a professional dirt bike rider. If you're riding dirt bikes through the house, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> But as you kind of grew up and you go into those different seasons and, and stages in life, what was kind of the evolution of what you wanted to do to a professional up to the point where it's like, okay, like coconuts, I think that would be kind of a fun start and a great way to kick off uh, what is sure to be uh, a very, very fun and successful professional uh, life that, that you get to live for, for the rest of your, your career. Oh. Man, the first thing I ever wanted to be, I'm definitely not. I wanted to be a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I probably dressed up as a ninja for six years straight when I was little. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, it being uh, you know coming back to being a little more serious, I I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to be. I I saw all the opportunities out there, especially through the lens of being the son of a serial entrepreneur and and seeing that you can really you can do anything really and, and for me that did not help because i did not have any guidance whatsoever for what i truly wanted to be and so that uh for me personally led me to be more open-minded and just wanting to learn so throughout college and up until now, I have really put or tried to put my foot forward to just being more and more open to learning. And throughout that openness, you find so many opportunities and so many connections that are just kind of mind blowing. I've met some amazing people from around the world just because I am kind of doing what you guys are doing. You're just wanting to learn about these people, about what they do, and make these connections. And uh, that's, that's kind of how I've always been and probably how I always will be. I still don't know what I really want to do for the rest of my life, but I'm okay with that. 
I'm going to take it year by year for now and have a general mindset of what I want to be in the next couple of years, but I'm not going to limit that to one or one thing or another. But again, not everybody can do that. The reason, the reason I asked that Sam, and then Nick does have some, one more thing for you before we turn it to Jeremy, but uh, you hit on it perfectly. And I just want to reinforce this. You can look at literally anything throughout the course of a day. Like I've got a pen in front of me. I've got a computer in front of me. I'm there. There's a, there's a picture right hanging above the, the computer here. You can look at anything throughout the course of, of a 24 hour day. Somebody gets paid for that thing. Maybe it's the manufacturing of it. Maybe it's the distribution of it. Maybe it's the, the design or the creative thinking behind that thing. You just happen to be in the business of coconuts. So the next time somebody's biting into an almond joy, the, like somebody had to harvest the, the coconut that's in that, right? Somebody had to distribute it. Somebody had to manufacture it, all that good stuff. And I'm so glad you said it that way because that's the exact point I was trying to get at. And, and that's what I wanted to kind of reinforce as we move forward is like the opportunities are literally endless just in terms of the fact that you can get paid to be a part of any industry. Uh, and I think you're an, an awesome, awesome example of that as we, as we've learned so far, but Nick, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, to the point of having your life figured out, I'm just a little older than you um, and I don't have mine. So there's a, there's a lot of positive mindset for you moving forward. Yeah, don't, don't worry about that. Um, but no, I, I think that there is a lot to say, and I appreciate your dad's advice to the point of you, it's okay to get a job if you want to dabble in other things while you have the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just read a lot about entrepreneurs, what the risks that they take in some of these other things. So like if you're a high risk, high reward type of guy, then maybe that's an avenue you can go. But there's a, plenty of successful people that, like you said, um, are just working normal jobs and they have their life and you know that's the life that they want. Um, but yeah, no, I just more so wanted to bring some brevity into the conversation uh, and let you know that it's, it's all good, even though, uh, you, or I guess you have years ahead of you, but, um, the only other thing I had before I turn it over to Jeremy, and this is, I'm hoping to leverage some of your life experience here. What's just some, maybe two events, one or two events that stand out to you, non-business related, could be business related that are just like something that people wouldn't expect about certain places that you've traveled or certain interactions that you've had. Hmm. Well, that's a great question again. Um, well, I, I guess one experience that I had throughout my first year, which I doubt anybody would really know, is I wasn't just involved with Sakti um, or strategic. It, it was strategic in itself, but we weren't only taking an active role in Sakti Agro and trying to build up this company in Sri Lanka for export and retail brand oriented um, sales. But at the same time, we were testing out CBD. So we white labeled CBD. We created four brands, uh, not only me, but obviously the team I was with. And we created four brands for four distinct markets, as well as uh, imported Sri Lankan tea and uh tried to create a whole tea brand so <laughs> it, it's it's about um you know looking for all the opportunities around you and getting inter- interested and then seeing what you do with it 
and that's what we did for the first year uh, of when I was involved with Strategic and Sakti and, and those other little brands that we did. They obviously didn't work out because I'm not really talking about them. <laughs> but it was a great learning experience for me to understand how to brand, how to market, how to do some of the logistics behind um, shipping and, and as well as later on. Um, for logistics it's not just a simple ship and boom it's there uh, which we learned the hard way um, but yeah that that's one experience and then I guess another little thing about me and is that we are we're heavily involved in art more so my Ooh. father um, He's an art collector, and throughout the couple of years that we've been working together, we've gone to art shows in uh, New York and L.A., and also um, worked with uh, art rep that has their own place in Georgia. Um, we actually found his. We actually came in touch with him in, I believe it was New York, when we were walking around the art show, and we saw his piece and we couldn't stop thinking about it we walked around the whole art show for the rest of the day and we we're like nope we got to go back and uh ever since then we've been dabbling in that um and, and that's something that i definitely really enjoy gotcha okay well, I guess it would not be it would be in my very nature to ask a couple follow-up questions there <laughs> <laughs> go for it nick what uh so what about it though do you enjoy is it the collection is it the the looking at it what about it do you like catches your eye uh usually it's about it, it, it's <laughs> when you're walking around an art show uh, and one way that i heard this described is if it doesn't provoke some sort of a uh, reaction or feeling it's not the art for you and interesting it might not be the art for anyone because if it gets you mad gets you sad gets you angry or joyful um uh confused sometimes confused is the best uh you come to ask questions then next step is asking questions and when you ask questions you then get the understanding of what the artist was doing with these paintings or whatever they're making, I guess it can be anything art is subjective. Right. Uh, but learning about the stories behind the art pieces uh, really creates a connection between you and that piece. And uh, again, I guess it comes back to the story for the art as well as Sakti. Something that always has really gotten me is the story, the drive, the, the the meaning behind it. What are we doing here? You know, what, right. what's the purpose of it? And that's something that's always really stuck out to me. Sam, I was literally right as you said that I was literally thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, he loves the story behind all of this stuff, and whether whether it's business related, whether it's art. Um, I'm sure there's even a story or two behind like the dirt bike riding in the house. 
which is so cool. And I would love to hear more about that someday, maybe over a beer. Um, but what, what, what for you does the story behind, whether it's business related or not, what is the story behind something that you're involved in or you're looking at or you're doing? What does that do for you? Does it give a better understanding? Does it give meaning? Does it give value outside of the, and not to use selfish in a bad term, selfish in a good term, the, like a, a selfish interest? What, what does the story do for you internally that makes things so much more meaningful to deal with them, both in the professional world with your jobs and also in the form of art like you just talked about? Yeah, well, I'd say it's all of that. It, it really it connects the dots between that other thing that's over there and me and, mm -hmm. and how I then talk about that other art piece or business and how much I respect it and how much I'm going to tell other people about it, you know? Right. It's, it's what gets me excited. And if it doesn't get me excited, that's, that's okay, but it probably isn't for me. Mm -hmm. It's about creating that emotional connection. And yeah, that's really about it. This is, it's just an emotional <laughs> connection that sometimes can be described. I love that. I think the most powerful messages are some of the most simplistic. And I think that's a great example of that right there. Nick, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I feel also that you're a, a man of perspective. And what I mean by that is like, I've, I've seen some things in my life. I'm 25. So there's been some highs, some lows, but I have really never traveled outside of the country much. And I'm very envious of, of that experience that you've had. Um, not to get too, uh, I guess, either high or low uh, in the sense of what you've seen, if there's been things that are great or tragic, but like being able to see some of these things, what's something that like has stood out to you that helps you like enhances your attitude towards life? Because I feel like seeing things outside of the continental US, uh, maybe of places that are of higher income and of lower income, I feel like that alters your day-to-day -day perspective. It definitely does. It puts a lot in perspective. It really, it shows me how fortunate I am and, and how fortunate I am to have the opportunities that I do have, but also that I shouldn't take those for granted where I, I can sit here in the U.S. all day long and I can just, I can work away and give money to an organization that's going to do something. But for me personally, I'd rather be involved. I want to get, I want to get my hands in there, and I want to, I want to make change. I want to do what I can to, um, and not even do what I can, but I want to help. Essentially, I want to help bring opportunity, education, uh, technical training, even if it's not me that's doing the training, doing the education. Uh, but providing some sort of an opportunity has definitely been at the core of my experience throughout the last couple of years and, and something that I do not take lightly. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I, I appreciate that answer too, because this is slightly unrelated, but I was listening to how I built this by Guy Raz. It's a podcast about how businesses start up love and uh, there, have you heard of, have you heard of that? I, I love that podcast. It's such a <laughs> 
It is very intriguing to hear everyone's stories uh, on all different platforms on, or not different platforms on the creation of their businesses. But I was listening to the guy who made five hour energy today, actually. And he, uh, he plans on donating, I think 99% of his wealth to help build things in third world countries. And the guy Roz was kind of like, you know, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you give it to your family? And he's like, my kid's going to be just fine. They have resources here in the U S like these people don't have running water. Like let's, you know, and I just, it stood out to me because I haven't done any volunteer work or anything of that nature in my life. And uh, I just feel that that would be a very, a meaningful way to go to work in the morning. I'll just say that. It definitely is. It's something that we're trying to do different uh, that I, I definitely want to cement in is that it's not just some white guys coming and giving them whatever they want. It's us approaching them halfway, them meeting us halfway and coming together to rebuild what they had lost. And really it's, it's up to them. We're going to provide them with the opportunity or help with the expertise but throughout that experience, they can then go back to their communities and make a difference. And that's, it's just one of those things where one thing has to happen. And after that one thing happens, two, three, four things are going to go throughout the community and, and make, a, make a difference. Hey, State Street residents, this is Cole. We are so proud to continue our partnership with Chi Town Blankets, a nonprofit based in Chicago, Illinois. This movement, started by our good friend Dom Hilsheim, has grown to over thousands of blankets being delivered to those in need. If you want to get involved, go to ShiTownBlankets.com or find them on social media to learn how to donate and get involved. That's C H I T O W N B L A N K E T S. You can also listen to episodes from Dom or one of his executive board members, Jack Thode, and learn more about how the movement got started and what it truly means to them. Everyone deserves to be warm. Good gotcha. deal. Good deal. Yeah. Go, so, I was just going to say, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. You can, we, uh, I, I forgive us for going down those rabbit holes, but this is what this podcast is all about, baby, is, is just going to that next level. So thank you for sharing that stuff, man. Of course. No, I, I love that too. So it, from what it sounds like to me, Saki isn't more about building a company. It's more about building a community. Is that kind of, kind of the general sense, kind of, kind of like a correct, correct way to think about it. Yeah, it definitely is something we refer to ourselves as the Saki family. We're a family. We're together. We're going to do what we can to make a difference. And it's not going to rely on one person or, you know, two or three it's going to rely on everybody to work as a team uh to to do something great good deal yeah i i mean i've never been able to be fortunate enough to work overseas and that is definitely something that i i i admire a lot because i don't know what it's like to personally grow up in like a third world world country or grow up in a war-torn nation and that's to see to see people giving back, I guess, is is something that you always hope to do in your lifetime, I guess, is a is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. But I did want to ask you, because I was stalking your LinkedIn profile a little bit, you may have noticed. <laughs> of course. And on your profile, it lists you as a VP 
And not only have we not had a VP on, I have never met a VP under the age of 30. So <laughs> I have a couple questions. One, what is it like to be a, a, a vice president of basically an international company? And two, what are some of the things that you find yourself doing outside of like the international travel that you don't see like someone like me or, or some of our, our friends that we, uh, we've come to know? Man, the when I first started, it was in the U.S. It was JT, John, and, and me. And John was the president. JT was the CEO. And for me coming in with no experience in the industry, uh, no knowledge of what we were doing, <laughs> what better way to get a foot in the door when I was talking to places than putting vice president? As the title. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it's, it's not a straightforward answer, I guess, but it's probably not what you would think as far as uh, vice presidents for most companies. For me, it's being a team member, giving as much insight as I can, show up with the best attitude that I can. It, it's about trying to build a team and and giving everybody the opportunity to make something for themselves and, and to provide as much oversight as I can. Being so young, I don't have the knowledge or expertise that a lot of the other people in uh, the company that I'm working with have. I don't have that expertise. So it's relying on them to help guide the direction of the company. And now I've got some younger uh, people that I'm working with, not only younger, but younger and older, I guess. I, I have three colleagues in the US and I don't oversee them. I work with them and they do a phenomenal job. They have branded, uh, <laughs> did a private label brand for our Amazon oriented product. They got it here. They designed it. They built a website uh, and they learned how to sell on Amazon. And then now they're working for the export oriented business. They found customers. They have now taken the next step to completing uh, a successful export to our first export sale. It's going to be in Spain, which is awesome. And then on top of that, they're also coming out with two more products. So for me, it's about having that emotional intelligence and knowing that I'm not going to have the answers, but to be able to provide a mindset that allows them to become and achieve whatever they want, essentially. So really quick, Sam, being a leader in a company, what do you find to be necessary skill-wise on a day-to-day -day basis? And then playing off that question, 
on your best days, when, when you're operating at an incredibly high level, when you feel great, things are going, and, and things don't even have to necessarily be going well, but you're hitting the goals, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing, um, and, 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 and people are beginning to see success, or maybe they're having breakthroughs if you haven't seen success yet. What skills do you see when you're operating at your best that you already have naturally, or maybe you were born with? And then what are skills that you have really had to put a lot of work and time into to learn, to put into application, and maybe even some that you're still working on today? Well, one thing that I have definitely grown up with uh, that comes into play a lot is empathy. And it comes into play way more than you would expect because we're all going through the same ups and downs and they're, they're not little ups and downs. There's some pretty high ups and there's some pretty low downs. So just being able to understand that everybody's going through the same thing and, uh, you know, <laughs> taking it for what I can and trying not to let it get me down, but also trying not to let it get my team down is is one of the the skills that I'd say I am a little better at naturally because of the empathetic um, nature that I have. And then one of the main skills that I'm continually working on and really stress and cannot stress enough is just strict communication. You have to have communication and organization. But if you don't have any communication in the organization, you have no idea what anyone else is doing. (laughs) (laughs) This does not go well. And working in a, a company that works with people that are literally halfway across the world. Yeah. They're on the opposite side of the world with a language barrier that when I first started, we were only talking to maybe one or two of the 40 employees that we had to try and accomplish those goals. The communication was not there and the communication got so skewed and it slowed things down tremendously and it created so much headache for everyone. But putting people in place to overcome that was incredibly invaluable. So conversely to that, when you at times maybe have to take a step back from being a leader or try to gain that perspective, obviously you just said you're very imp- you're empathetic and that comes naturally to you, which I think would probably play a, a huge part in doing what I'm talking about. But when you have to take a step back and maybe it's a case where you learn from someone who works under you or learn from someone who... Maybe off the bat, you had no idea, knew as much as they did, or someone from around the world, halfway around the world, who has had a completely different life experience and maybe knows more about the coconut game or or knows more about how operations work in that part of the world. What are things that are necessary to do that and to take a step back and to be willing to learn? You just got to try and be humble. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Is that easier said than done? Oh, yeah. 
uh oh no i'm sorry taking a step back is not easy or right yeah yeah no it's it's very hard uh and and trying to be trying to be humble um is not always easy so some people it comes uh, more naturally than others but in general when you're trying to oversee and uh, and plan for the future you want to say that okay yeah i have a i have a pretty good idea of what we're doing and then you figure out okay the one thing that i thought was a circle (laughs) is not that way you kind of feel lost you you can really lose yourself and, and um yeah it's it's not easy but it's valuable for sure awesome Nick, go it's, ahead. Uh, okay, perfect. Um, this might be a little bit more for tactics or tools for folks listening in to someone that um, maybe looking to get an edge on their competition or just be able to use some of your life experiences. Are there any books or resources, podcasts, anything like that, that you have leaned on over the years that have just been influential in your life at all? You know... There are all sorts of resources and books out there, and I I could say a few of them, but off the top of my head, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> the, the main thing that, uh, for me, comes to mind when you want to try and gain an edge or you want to try and start something up or you want to you know, believe in yourself, the one thing you cannot forget is the resilience you you have to keep a mindset that okay i've got this goal and i can do it and i see others in the market what do you say to yourself right their stuff is pretty darn good but i can do it just as good it's just got to be just as good it doesn't have to be exponentially better but if you can do it just as good maybe even a little bit better you're going to be okay it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard and you're not going to lose yourself time and time again, but just to have that mindset. And then from there, you can go and get all these resources online or YouTube's podcasts, whatever. Um, that's, that's fine. The The main thing for me is just to not give up on your own mindset. Yeah. I think that that's a good it's a good, it's a must have start because I mean, I've read a lot of different books on a lot of different categories, business mindset, all this stuff. And like, you can do a lot of it, but until you actually get kicked in the teeth in the real world, that's when you're like, Oh shit. No wonder why they say you gotta be just a savage when it comes to picking yourself up by your own bootstraps and getting back after it. And I'm sure you've, you've had experiences where it rolls out and it goes bad and you're like, well, that didn't work. Let's uh, let's tweak that a little bit and try it again. You know, <laughs> oh, definitely. We had one accountant when I first started. So uh, this kind of goes into a funny story. When I first started, we had uh, one of our security members as an onsite accountant in Sri Lanka. She was a wonderful person, but she didn't know accounting. So one of my first tasks was to find an accountant that could come in clean everything up and give us consistent reporting. And so we found this, uh, what seemed to be a very 
capable individual. English was great. Reporting was great. He reported to us a couple times a week and, and looked to be like he was doing the accounting correct. After a couple months, he started to have these little signs of something was a little off. And, and out of nowhere, he kind of broke down. And I remember it because both John and I, we woke up to over 50 phone calls and 50 texts on oh each phone of him swearing at us and, and just had like this mental break. So <laughs> it, it was nuts. He had ended up uh, stealing a whole household of furniture that we had rented for him and continually supplied for him. So we actually, we were renting the house for him and supplied all the furniture. He stole all of it. He stole laptops and he's still on the run. <laughs> still haven't received anything back. Oh my uh, God. But it, it just kind of goes to show that you think <laughs> you found something and it's great, but you never know what's around the corner. It, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Working hey. with people and managing people you never have enough experience because there is always something that's going to shock you. So don't take things at face value. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good. (laughs) 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 And we're, we're going to, we're going to post this on social media to the gentleman who still has the furniture, please return it back to state street and we'll get it back. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but that would be a a fun little sub venture. Um, man, no, this is, this has been great. I, I've really appreciated you opening up, sharing some of that stuff with our listeners. It's been, I've gotten a lot out of it. Um, I know we're, we're getting closer. I am going to turn it back to you, Jeremy, in case we need to hammer on a couple more points, but, uh, this has been a solid conversation up until this point. No, there's just one more thing I wanted to, uh, talk about with, uh, Sri Lanka and, and Saki. Me, Nick and Cole fly to Sri Lanka, what is the first place you're telling us to go to and why? Mm. Oh, man. It depends on what you want. Do you want to go and see a beautiful beach? Do you want to go climb some mountains? Do you want to be in the middle of a national reserve and and sleep in an open-air facility uh, that's like a bungalow and there's elephants walking by? Uh, Oh, my gosh. There's (laughs) things that you can do. If you're going to go and do something, it's called the middle of nowhere. And it's one of the friends that we met in Sri Lanka. I think it's Jonathan's close friend. He actually let us come to this bungalow that he had created from scratch in the middle of a, a national park, a reserve. And there is all sorts of animals. There's a peacock every morning on the peak who was singing and dancing. There was elephants walking by midday. And and then at night, I don't honestly don't even know what the animals were, but we would have like barbecues or something and you'd hear them surround the camp. Oh, okay. It was crazy. (laughs) It was out on that. (laughs) Yeah, it it was absolutely gorgeous. And then you go for hikes during the day and you come across a, giant uh giant i don't know herd yeah giant herd of water buffalo (laughs) it's just uh yeah 
I, I'd say that would be the experience that you'd want to have. Otherwise, if you want to just go to the beach and have fun, go down to Marissa, Southern Beach, great surfing. And that's where you're going to find a lot of Norwegian, um, German, uh, more, mostly, I guess, Western European individuals. They come to uh, vacation. That's, uh, I mean, that just sounds wild. I, I've never seen an elephant before in person, and I, I feel like I would just be scared shitless if I saw one walk past me while I'm just chilling, chilling <laughs> one day. <laughs> you don't but, um, at all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but we have one, just one quick short segment um, that I really want to hit on before we send you over to Cole's four questions, and that is Pulse Products. They seem like they've been a pretty well-established company for, you said, around, I think, 20 years, correct? That is correct. And you just recently came on the team with them. How did that all kind of like come down? And what do you what do you do for them compared to what you do in, in Sri Lanka? So I came into Pulse during quite a difficult time. Uh, it was a time of transition. Both the president and the accountant had quit at the same time. And um, that also falling under the umbrella of strategic capital, I uh, was almost, you could say, recruited to fall in and do some of the accounting. And I had no manual book. I just had my team members, and we had to figure out the operating system by coming in and learning it from finish to start. So going from back to front with no direction, but excellent help. Uh, and since then, uh, that was it was a very hard couple months of working seven days a week and probably at least 10 days, 10 hours a day, probably more. Uh, well, I, I'd say quite a bit more just trying to figure out the system. Um, the accountant finally came back after I'd say two months. <laughs> she has since then taken me under her wing showed me the ropes and now day to day I perform the accounting and uh, operations role. So then this is, this is more of the, the side of strategic where they're, they're helping out or they're going out and they're finding these companies that maybe need a little more, more help than uh, like a startup where it's just starting out. Right. Uh, I, I'd say not so much. Okay. They'd been actively, I guess it was more so, it was my dad's company for about 20 years and he, he's been on and off involved. Uh, and we have close ties with um, the members in Pulse. Uh, we actually share the same building there in the front. Octi's <laughs> in the back, Sakti strategic. Um, but everything is, is pretty closely related. Uh, it, it's been my dad's one company that he's had for a long period of time and continues to have uh, or own and operate. So, so he's I, pretty pretty invested into uh, into Pulse then. Yes, definitely. Good deal. Good deal. That is all I wanted to hit on for for you, Sam. I I don't have any questions until we probably get to Cole's four questions, and I may throw in a couple of just random questions. Nick, are you good and ready to send it over to Cole? Uh, I was just going to throw in one more, and then we can get to the to Cole's portion. And Sam, not to spoil it, but I think you're going to enjoy that um, if you've enjoyed this at all. Um, but uh, very basic question, but I always think it's important to ask. Um, how do you manage your time? Well, 
That's a great question. Uh, starting off, I had no time management. I, I did not know what I was doing. And, and since then, I have at least come to an understanding that my day-to-day operation role, accounting role, that's what I focus on. And whenever I get that done for the day, I have my set objectives. If I get those done, I go back and spend time with the team members in the back. And if they need my help or need my opinion or just want to talk, I'm there. If not, then I go and try and uh, work on more for Pulse for the next day and so on. So it's kind of a a day-to-day operation role. And it's really not too complicated, really. Yeah. The the guys (laughs) in the back, they they do a lot of the work. And I just kind of oversee now, which is great. Because it puts some brilliant minds uh, together in the back, and and they just they do a phenomenal job. Cannot say that enough. They've done some great things, and they continue to show that they're going to be doing more great things in the future. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> was more so just curious, just how the the balls got juggled there. Um, where I I didn't know if you had some el- elaborate formula. Some people just take it head on and and just get to work. But uh, yeah. I know when you're talking about uh, knocking out objectives, that's right up Cole's alley. But um, without further ado, my good man, go ahead and lead lead us home. Okay, Sam. Uh, so this portion of the podcast we do with every guest, it gets me super jacked up uh, because I come up with four questions. I don't come up with them necessarily always from my own brain. Some I pull from the internet. Some I I do think of. Some I get from other people. Uh, some we even get from from the our own social media and the internet. The the internet with people listening to us, anyways. Um, However, I have my four. If you're ready, they can be as long or short answer as you'd like. Uh, and if you are ready, then we can kind of get into this. We're taking it one question at a time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do <Okay>. it. Okay. <laughs> First one. This does pertain a little bit to what we've talked about. What could be better or what could make coconuts more appealing? In general. Uh, it's basically just education. Uh, it's education about the, what the product can do and, and I guess for clarification, uh, we don't actually work with the inside of the coconut, the, the coconut that you guys know and love. We work with the waste product. So every family in northern Sri Lanka uses at least one coconut per day. And what we do is we support 50 to a, it, it's a wide range because I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's a 50 to 100 small individual companies that go in pick up those coconuts day to day and then they drop them off at our house or not our house our operation and we get hundreds of thousands of coconuts wow in the month and uh with that we get that dust and we also get the fibers uh, with the fibers we can make uh, probably 150 different products and with the dust it's a great alternative to peat moss which is not eco-friendly and I could get definitely a lot more deep into what that is and, and why, but uh, maybe that's something for your listeners to look up and research if they are into uh, planting, growing, gardening, whatever. 
I think that's totally fair, and I think people should do that. I think I'm actually probably going to do that, because... <laughs> I will have to. I, I don't think I know enough about coconut, whether it's the waste, whether about the, the actual inside of a coconut, how it's grown, how it's harvested, all this stuff. I, I, I know zero. I know that I enjoy Almond Joys. That is seriously about the extent uh, of what I know. Uh, so I have some, some research to do on my end uh, to begin with. Secondly, actually, these next two have literally nothing to do with what we've talked about. Anything. So I, I can't wait to, to kind of throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Whether you're a social media guy, whether you're an internet guy or not, completely this answer is up to you and, it, and it's subjective to what you think. What does break the internet actually mean? We're in an age that viral videos and people going viral is such a predominant thing. But what does break the internet actually mean? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> give me a give me a second here. Uh, break the internet would have to do with there has to be some sort of revolutionary idea or uh, product or service that comes out that has either never been seen before or has never been presented in such a way that it uh, must attract hundreds of thousands or millions of people to not only gain traction to whatever that product service idea is, but to change the way a certain thing is done or um, how something is thought about interesting interesting answer that yeah i i have no idea and i was i was literally thinking about this today because i saw something about something or another like could break the internet or whatever i'm like what does that actually mean does it i mean and and it is interesting to just get people's perspective so that's why i ask third we're coming off of so this episode is coming out on thursday uh the the past weekend that we're coming out of was valentine's day weekend whether you have a girlfriend or not, doesn't matter. If someone called you sneaky hot, are you taking that as a compliment or as an insult? <laughs> sneaky hot. Oh, man, if I heard that, I don't know. I feel like I would almost be offended. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like low-key hot, but maybe not at first glance. Is kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> That is that's a great with your personality than your looks. <laughs> yeah. Which is not always a bad thing, right? But right. it's it's uh it's interesting. Never, well, never heard that before. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So exactly. that that is a subjective question. <laughs> Lastly, last one I have for you, and I, I, I would love I can't wait to hear the story behind this or kind of the depth that you go into with this question. If you could make a t shirt that represents you as a person. Give us and give our listeners an idea of what that t-shirt would look like. Maybe the color, the lettering, the picture, the fabric, everything encompassing a t-shirt. What would be the t-shirt that represents you, Sam? You have got some pretty interesting questions. <laughs> <laughs> a t-shirt for me. Oh, man. Well, one thing is... I love when there's some sweet graphics. Uh, either, you know, you've got like an art scene or you've got something that, you know, states something. You got a little D squared action. Uh, 
not necessarily a fan of this, but something <laughs> that uh, that is attractive to the eye, but can either make you chuckle or make you think, you okay. know, uh, or it's completely out there for an idea uh, as far as what the color would be. Main color of the shirt, probably black. Huge fan of black. Okay. It, it looks great. Right. Uh, and then you got a little splash of color on top, whatever it is. <laughs> fabric? Oh, man, I I don't know. I don't know <laughs> about fabric. <laughs> I that just, is totally okay. That's a, that's a great question, though. I just, I, there are so many things that represent us that, like, as people, and, and it's never like, I don't know, just who you are as a person. It's so interesting to think like, what would it, what would me as a person look like on so many different things? And I don't know why I thought of a t-shirt, but I think it's, it's more so of like, so many t-shirts can be so unique. And, and the picture that you gave me was more, was like a graphic t-shirt, was like a graphic tee type, type of thing, or maybe even a long sleeve shirt. If you're a long sleeve guy, I know it's cold in Minnesota right now. Uh, but like a graphic t-shirt is kind of the vibe that I'm getting kind of based off what you said. So I think that's super, super cool. A black graphic tee. Um, anyway, uh, Sam, thank you so much for, for coming on our podcast this evening. Um, first and foremost, I will say this with every guest, you are doing us a massive, massive favor. You're taking time out of your very busy schedule um, to, to talk with us for a little over an hour. This is a, a little bit longer one, which is great. It's always good. It means it was a good conversation. Um, but dude, you live such, such a cool life. Uh, you have a dream job. I can't imagine how much fun it must be on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and thank you so much for giving us just a little insight and a little view into to the, what that world is like and, um, and, and, and getting deep. I thought we, I thought we kind of peppered you with questions at times and it was like, holy crap, like we're, we're digging, we're digging deep on this guy, but um you you were you were fantastic about it you answered every question um really really awesome and i'm i'm excited to to hear some reaction or see what the reaction is going to be like from from the state street residents so uh jeremy if you want to say your your t's and p's your thank yous um and plug our social media allow sam to do the same and then have nick get us out of here and on with our week uh please do so yeah i mean sam thanks thanks a ton for coming on and talking about just the how many different hats you wear as a, a young 20-something just trying to find your way in, in life. I mean, I've, I've never been able to experience going across the world just to help run a business. And, and I, I find that extremely fun and extremely interesting. And that's why I thought that you would be a great guest for us. And I mean, man, it, you, you knocked it out of the park. But guys, if you guys enjoyed the episode, please go and find us on Twitter. It is at State Street Pod. Instagram is State Street Pod. And Facebook is State Street Podcast. And Sam, if you have any social media, feel free to plug yourself. Yeah, we have uh, we have an Instagram, Facebook. It's Sakdiegro, uh, Sakdiegro INT for the Instagram, and I believe Facebook is just Sakdiegro. Uh, but if you want to give me a follow too, I wouldn't mind. Sam underscore <laughs> Tasted T A S. -T -T. Not uh, not too much of a poster myself, but it is what it is. Who knows? You might see something interesting. Absolutely. Well, and just in, just for those that want to make a friend, I mean, Sam, you seem like a very nice guy that, you know, I feel like we could, you know, maybe be mutual friends at the end of the day. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. we left a good impression. Always willing to talk to new people and, and learn about other people's points of view. So 
more than happy to talk to anyone that reaches out and um yeah who knows also appreciate uh appreciate you guys having me on as a as a great experience like i said first podcast i've ever done so uh, <laughs> it was an enjoyable experience well good i'm glad that we made you feel comfortable and uh i think our residents really did appreciate a lot of the the mini nuggets and the storytelling that you're able to share um for our loyal followers uh we come to an, a very exciting final part in our book series by mr andrew yang where we will be debating uh, our thoughts on universal basic income um oh boy. but uh <laughs> that's neither here nor there so we uh, we appreciate it guys and until next time Thank you.